0: Welcome to episode 16 of AU Manufacturing Conversations with Brent Belinsky. This time around we speak to Mark Chilcote, Managing Director of Energy Renaissance. ER was founded in 2015, is currently running a pilot plant in Tomago and is preparing to begin volume production of lithium ion batteries by the end of the year. This interview was arranged a little while ago but the timing has worked out especially well as it's a week where Industry Minister Ed Husick and Tesla Chair Robin Denholm have used high-profile speeches to draw attention to Australia's massive potential to create wealth within the lithium battery value chain. This episode is generously sponsored by the All Energy Australia Exhibition and Conference, which will be held October 26 and 27 at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. So, Mark, uh, good afternoon to you, and thank you very much for joining us here on AU Manufacturing Conversations.
1: Thanks, Brent, and thanks for your time. Happy to be here.
0: A pleasure. How did you get here, and what do you make?
1: Okay, so my name's Mark Chilcoat. I'm a professional engineer by by profession. Spent my life in the energy industry. Started in brown coal and worked my way through to to renewables. Having spent numerous years overseas. So we manufacture lithium-ion batteries and just to put that in perspective at the moment we manufacture what we call BEST battery energy storage solutions so we're 92% Australian made we're still 8% imported which is a bit disappointing but our target is to get to 99% Australian made. And eventually to get there, we'll have to embark on cell manufacture. So that's actually making the battery cells.
0: Before we get too far along the path, I'd like to hear a little bit of a glossary of terms. You mentioned one, some of our readers readers and listeners, excuse me, will be familiar with terms to do with the battery industry, some will not. What do we mean when we're talking about a battery cell, a battery, a battery pack and a BMS or anything else you'd like to get out of the way in terms of nomenclature?
1: Let's start with the jewel in the crown. So battery management system or BMS as, as fondly referred to. It's basically the computer that controls the battery. A lithium-ion battery can be quite dangerous if it's overcharged or if it's charged too quickly or too slowly. So we've spent five years developing our own in-house battery management system with the support of AMGC and CSIRO. And basically our battery management system is hyper-accurate And the reason for that is we see batteries ultimately used in the trading. And it's also cyber secure, so it can't be, be hacked, you know, by anyone with with, with nasty, nasty intent. So really that's that's a jewel of our crown. Then if you go to a battery pack, so a battery pack is a group of cells that's assembled with a BMS that goes into a battery storage solution. So in our case, our battery pack has 24 cells. The battery cells are similar to a battery that goes in your torch with the exception ours is a prismatic cell, so it's quite a bit bigger. So ours is about 150 mil by, by 50 mil by 150 mil deep. And it's and that's what contains the chemistry. So that's what contains the electrodes and and the lithium. L are the name lithium-ion batteries. So that really, and then we put them in various forms of packaging. So we'll put them in a rack storage, or we'll put them in a you know an IP54 cabinet if they're outside, or various forms of packaging. And the, the packs
0: going into. Let's go back and rewind a bit and go to, well, well the, the beginning of Energy Renaissance. Tell me about getting started in 2015 with your co-founders and working out that, you know, there was a niche there and you needed to move towards it. How, how did you pick that and what is the niche?
1: So, yeah, as you mentioned, we started in 2015. Basically, it started from a few of us sitting together being annoyed at what we're doing to the environment and the country, acknowledging that we had global warming and we had to do something about it, and a fondness for technology. So if you put those things into a melting pot, sorry, and a fondness for Australia. So if you put all those into a melting pot, basically the unlock key for renewables at that point in time was storage. So whilst we had solar and and wind, we didn't have an economically viable storage the only real storage for renewables was pumped hydro or hydro so we sort of looked at the lithium-ion battery technology we're the only country in in the world that mines 100 percent of the minerals required for lithium-ion batteries and we had a lot of our universities developing technology around lithium-ion batteries that unfortunately was being commercialized overseas as i say we saw a we saw a niche in the technology side of things so we could apply our interest in that so once we sort of landed on lithium-ion battery and storage as being our niche we we then went and asked the australian market what was missing in regards lithium-ion batteries and there were two things there were three things really that that stood out first thing was of course safety touched on safety around our bms design so we've We've got a, a very safe form of lithium ion battery and we've developed our technology with an eye on safety. Another thing was the Australian climate is quite different than naturally the European climate or the, the US climate where a lot of the batteries are designed for. So we we had to develop a, a, a best technology that took in consideration the variance in Australian basically thermal conditions, so, you know, the batteries that would operate in the temperatures of the outback. And then the third thing was because a lot of our batteries go into remote locations, they had to be very rugged and they had to be able to be transported, assembled, because of the cost of labour and the ability to get labour in the, the remote locations. So they're really the three aspects that we've considered when designing our technology and all of those things show
0: up in uh in the technology that we're now manufacturing in australia on to where you're at so far a recent bit of progress was opening the apollo pilot plant this month what's the importance of getting that plant up and running as you look to move towards volume production at renaissance one so
1: if we Workback, Renaissance One, will take occupation of that towards the end of the year and early next year we'll put in a lot of automation equipment, automated equipment, robots and what have you. So we established Apollo, it's actually about a year ago now, we, we established Apollo with a lot of help from AMGC, both financial support in the form of grants but also technical expertise in form of manufacture. So so it's been pivotal in us First of all, manufacturing process and understanding the manufacturing process heavily reliant on on manual and labour processes rather than automated. So we've we've learnt a lot about the manufacturing process without having to invest heavily in robotics. But we've also got now product out in the field in factories and on dairy farms and what have you that's that's actually operating. So we obviously learnt a lot about. Even though our products, we haven't had major technical issues with them, there's a lot of interfaces with solar inverters and battery inverters and energy management systems and what have you. So we've learnt a lot on that. And we're at the point now that we do the majority of our commissioning, you know, within that Apollo facility. So our batteries, we dial in over the internet, we commission them and we monitor them actually from our Apollo facility. And if we need to intervene, we can we can intervene or we do diagnostics. We we collect data and we can actually change parameters on the, the battery management system and the energy management system to ensure that the the customer's battery is operating at its optimal. So that's that's been a strong strong learning curve for
0: us and, and has been invaluable in a in a temporary facility. That's the factory and what goes on. Let's learn a little bit about what goes in and what comes out. I've read a release from you guys earlier this year. I believe it said 32 of 35 components in a battery were sourced from Australian companies. And you're looking, as you said earlier, to get to 99% or 100% if you want to round up. What's needed to get to that point And what can't you source here currently?
1: Going back 12 months ago when we first established Apollo, we're 100% import. So we imported everything from metalwork to battery cells, just the whole lot we imported. We spent 12 months working with Australian suppliers to get to a price point that, that we can tolerate in the manufacture of, a, of our batteries. So just, and there's many examples of this, but just by one example, there's a local Newcastle company that manufacture steelwork. Mm -hmm. So they're they're basically a sheet metal organisation. They were three times the price of what we could import the same product from China initially, but they had the mindset that they'd work with us to get us get to the right price point. So between us, we did a lot of value engineering. And at the end of the day, they're about 10 or 15% more expensive than the Chinese product. But within the you know within the bounds of what we can afford in our products so so going forward for the steel work we use academy sheet metal is the the name of the company we use them for all of our steel work and now they're investing in automated machines on the back of of our purchase orders to improve their production process which will mean that they're not only competitive for us but competitive for others and we've applied that to injection mold and plastics, we get that done from a company in in Brisbane, printed circuit boards, which you would think, you know, is a is a product you'd import, we're actually getting done in, in western Sydney. And all of those suppliers are at, you know, there or thereabouts the, the price of the imported equivalent. When I said ninety nine percent, the reason that I, I stopped at a hundred is the Silicon chips will probably never yeah. be able to source locally. We'll probably always be importing silicon chips. The, the big thing that we've got left to get from our 92% to 99% is the battery cells, which I mentioned before. We're currently mm-hmm. importing them. They're lithium phosphate battery cells. We're hoping to get to FID, financial investment decision by second quarter of next year. And then it is about a year to deploy the manufacturing facility. It'll go into the same facility as Renaissance 1, so we've sized it to take into account the the cell manufacture. But it's at that point then that we start using Australian raw materials in our manufacturing process. So that's really the... That's been our target since... For the the last seven years since the inception of, of Energy Renaissance is to use Australian minerals and Australian people to to manufacture batteries.
0: Certainly a popular topic this week. Yes, exactly right. (laughs) You know, obviously there's been what's reported the last couple of days, but one thing I'd like to turn back to is... uh, fairly popular Austrade report in late 2018 that mentioned something like 0.53% of the global value chain from lithium-ion batteries was represented by Australia, despite us being the world leaders in in lithium ore exports. Obviously, we want to improve on that, and and you guys and others are trying. How far do you think we've come in the years uh, since that report came out?
1: I think there are some specialist areas. I think BHP in Western Australia are making good strides in the processing of of nickel for example. We still have an awful long way to go though I I think at the moment when we start our cell manufacture in 18 months time unfortunately we will still have to import 100% of our of the product that goes into those cells even though at the core of it will be Australian minerals. the value adding will still happen overseas. So there's, it's a fairly complex process to take battery minerals and get them from mine product to to battery grade. We may be, you know, a, a little bit in, inward fo- focused with our views, but our view is that to supercharge that value add, Australia needs a lithium-ion battery manufacturing industry, and it's for that reason that we encourage. Competition in this in this area, because we believe the more battery manufacturers, the higher the demand, the more likelihood that that supply chain chain will evolve. So, so we think it's very important that we have lithium-ion battery manufacturers here. They will then give a demand, give purchase orders, and give the upstream value add proponents the ability to raise capital and actually put manufacturing facilities in place.
0: speaking at the All Energy Expo panel event with a very long title that is so long I won't repeat it here because it would (coughs) take half a minute. Anyway, title aside, you're discussing a goal of of demystifying the common perceptions around building a local battery manufacturing ecosystem in Australia. And like I said, a popular topic this week. What's one thing that needs demystifying in your view?
1: I think the upstream well, and lithium-ion battery manufacturer, it's It's akin to either the chemical industry or pharmaceuticals in my mind. So a lot of people, you talk manufacturing and they think, you know, the old car manufacturing in Victoria and South Australia, it's actually very high tech manufacture with a large component of it is energy. So electricity, basically. So Australia has got, you know, while we've got a high, we've got high energy costs, We've got the best solar resource in the world. People say that we've lost, Australia's lost manufacturing capabilities. That's not something I agree with. We we have seen the car industry move offshore, but we still have a lot of capability here in this country for manufacture. So we've taken people out of the mining industry into Apollo. I need to find a different word from train them because it isn't really train them. We've basically re-skilled them or they've re-skilled themselves and that made the transition very easily. So I think we've got the technical capability, the resource, and we've got the the raw material and the renewable energy. So we have every ingredient. I think we've just got to change our mindset to, to wanting to do it rather than just making our money out of digging it
0: out of the ground. I think it's, uh, I mean, it's so easy. Well, not so easy. Nothing's easy, really, in in, in business. But it's a degree of difficulty less to make money out of you know speculating on real estate than it is to say okay in 10 years I want to commercialize something that's in a lab at the moment that might be very valuable for the world and along which there's a journey that's incredibly frustrating and expensive and might not yield a result at the end of it that's a hard thing to commit to and as long as there are easy options then people are probably going to in the main exercise those
1: well that was that was us looking forward 7 years ago we're in exactly the same boat you know we're embarking in on a world of the unknown we've learned a hell of a lot on that journey there's some things that have been made more difficult than need be but at the end of the day we're we're almost there so yeah you could only encourage people to take that leap of faith and back their capability in
0: getting there something that's perhaps related to that is you know, I wanted to look at the appetite for an investment in a company such as yours that's doing something difficult. How have you found it? And are you looking to raise capital again soon?
1: We found it very difficult. If you break it into two, pre-COVID and post-COVID. So pre-COVID, we've, we had, I would say, 90% of people told us that we should be manufacturing offshore, should be manufacturing in Asian companies, uh, countries rather than Australia. And we even had a, a federal politician told us we shouldn't be manufacturing in Australia, we should be manufacturing offshore, not to be named. Mm,
0: that was gonna be my next Post, question. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure it was. Post COVID,
1: there, you know, with with all the bad things that come out of COVID, one good thing was people realise that security of supply and make where you use is uh, is is important. So Post-COVID, we'd, we've had a lot of interest in manufacturing here and actually value-adding mined product into lithium-ion batteries. We've, people see that cyber security is important. People see that energy, sovereign energy supply and energy security is important. And our defence forces, who, are, who will be the biggest user of lithium-ion batteries, actually see the importance of a of the local manufacturer and, and local supply chain. So so the tide has, has literally turned 180 degrees in the last two years. There still is a, from an investment point of view, there still is a, a bit of a reluctance to invest in manufacture. So the legacy of the car industry still does shine through much more here than it does in the likes of the United States. And there's a lot of investors that are, you know, interested in finding the next PayPal and making a quick buck out of, out of apps rather than a, out of manufacturing, which is the long game. But so yeah, we've uh, we've had mixed success. We've got a really great share register with some really supportive people. Some people have invested a lot of money and had a lot of faith in us. The majority of them are interested in two things one one the environment and and two value adding australian products and people so they're a lot of our investors are passionate about our vision and and mission and you know if we we make money for them along the way i'm sure they won't be unhappy with that but they're they're certainly supportive of the business and quite actively involved in the business actually
0: do they tend to be family office types or uh, high net worth individuals
1: yeah Mainly high net worth individuals, so we've got a principle that we set very early in the business. All of our employees are shareholders in the business, but then the the larger investors are all high net worths.
0: And so I wanted to ask about another sort of issue of the day, the legislated 43% cut to greenhouse gas. Could you tell me what that means for you guys? Is it more a mood thing among the nation or do you think that you're going to see anything tangible from it? Tell me, you know, everyone has an opinion, I guess. What's yours? So...
1: Two, I'll give you my personal opinion and then my professional opinion, but part of the reason for embarking on this journey was, as I said in the outset, was what we as a a nation and a globe were doing to the environment. I'm an absolute believer that global warming is real and it's caused by us, by humans. So I think the 43%, any target is great. 43% target's good and you know we need to beat that and and exceeded. So that's my personal view. Mm-hmm. From a company perspective, we've seen, it's incredible how quickly the mindset has changed in the last sort of six months. We've seen a lot of organisations embrace ESG and, you know, and these carbon targets. And actually we've seen the, the discussion when you, from a sales perspective, six months ago, there was a lot of discussion about whether batteries were economically viable and in the last few years they have been. However, now the discussion is more on displacing diesel, displacing coal, you know, embracing solar and wind and and what have you. So the, the discussion in, you know, the sales office and the boardrooms is much more around the environmental impact. And I think some of that is driven by, you know, people's own personal perceptions, but a lot of it's driven by things like investment Houses and super funds and what have you—they've they've got ESG policies in place, so they won't invest in projects that don't involve a, an ESG slant. So we're just seeing the whole industry sort of embracing it and moving forward. It's like we've been shown the—you know—shown the light, and we're, we're heading towards it.
0: And so this has been a good share of your afternoon. Let's sort of draw to a close in the interests of politeness and having an interview that's not (laughs) too long for people to tolerate. What are your final words? Do you want to plug anything or perhaps leave a closing thought of some kind? Uh, Let me know.
1: Look, I think, you know, whether you believe in lithium-ion batteries being the way of the future or hydrogen or all the other technologies, I, I just think there are cleaner ways of producing energy. I don't subscribe to the fact that renewable energy will put up our energy prices. I think quite the opposite. Sure, there's a bit of capital cost in the in the beginning, but in the long run, I think it, it's better for industry, it's better for consumers, and also for, for the investment. People in Australia making investments, I think we can take some lead from the States, where people are less risk-adverse in the States in, in investing and helping companies get off the ground. So really, they're the... The things but yeah i think really exciting times ahead for energy renaissance and really exciting times ahead for the industry
0: good for you okay well that's yeah. like i said about all the um all the time we have left so thank you very much for joining us on AU manufacturing conversations it was a pleasure to have you on the program mark
1: perfect thanks Brent. great to be here.